We want to welcome everyone to our Sunday morning service. Thank you for being here, being part of our service today. Today's a, our fifth Sunday. Remember, it is a special contribution for our uh, capital improvements. Uh, so we'll be we'll be working on that. Uh, we want to especially welcome the Smiths with us this morning. They they are moved in next door, so they are officially here with us today. We're glad that they are here. Let's begin our time together uh, in a word of prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the things that you do for us. And Father, we pray that you'll be with us as a, a congregation of your people, that we will show the love of Jesus throughout this entire community. Father, give us the vision to see the things that we need to be doing to spread your kingdom in this area. All of these things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. First song this morning, number two. Praise the old God. It's all worth it. We praise the old God.
come to this part of our service. We are approaching the throne of grace, uh, the throne of God. So as we would with any head of state or head of the universe, uh, let's get our minds in a, in a, in a state where we can uh, make our petitions known to our life. Lord, will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this most beautiful day, Father, that you have uh, given us after the clouds, after the cold winds, that you've given us a bright sunny day, a warm place to come to, to lift up your name in prayer, to lift up your name in song, and join together learning more about you and what you would have for our lives here on earth. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on this church, uh, the elders that oversee it, the deacons that serve it, and the members that build each other up. Heavenly Father, we are going to talk today about what we can do, about sharing your gospel, about sharing your kingdom, and about sharing the work of the church. Help us to be mindful that although the things of this earth are fleeting, the things of this earth are hard to deal with sometimes, sometimes it seems we don't have enough. Help us take courage and, and faith in the fact that you have sent your son just to die for each and every one of us to free us from our sins. And that in the end, we have this great place where we can go to, together and not have to worry about health, not have to worry about fears, actually would not even have to worry about a, a tear in our eye. Heavenly Father, as we go through this life, we understand that there are, are struggles and we ask you would help us through those things. Help us keep focused on the main thing as we say that Father, one day we can live with you and hopefully through our shared efforts we can take as many people there with us. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on Ken and we thank you for our brother that comes to us and gives to us the bread of life that you have given through your word. We ask you to be with him and, and Miss Anita that as they labor here that their efforts will be very uh, much successful as we know they will because you will be helping them. And as we welcome our new brother and sister, uh, Doug and his wife, that uh, much good will be done from that. Father, we have great expectations here for your, king, your, your work here. We ask that you would be with our efforts, that you would make them very successful. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you would just amaze us by the results that happen. Make it where we can come back to you and not just say we know that you would help us, but truly say that our God is an amazing God. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our sins. Help us all the way through. And at last, when we have left this earth, we can praise you forever. This is our name in your son's name. Amen. I'd like to mark the invitation song be number 911. 911. Psalm 463. Amen. 
Good morning. This morning's lesson, or scripture reading before Brother Ken's lesson is going to be taken from Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. I'll begin reading here at verse 32. Now the multitudes of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and... Great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were of uh, possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of those things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having laid, having rather land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's so good to see you. Did you have a good week? Yes, we did. Now today, I want to make it as ominous as I can. Today is the beginning of a new era. Wow. So the Smiths are here. They're sitting right there in front of the Estuses. I think that is, I don't know, beautiful picture of transition. Can I call it that, Jim? Jim and Janita have been selflessly working with this congregation for many years. We had a wonderful time reminiscing about that with their retirement party. And now the Smiths are here. They've moved in, or at least I guess all your stuff is here, or most of it. <laughs> the stuff that will fit in the house. And Doug and Jody are going to begin their work with us here. And, you know, we've been praying about this for a while, and we've been praying, Doug, that God would send us the man we really needed, and he sent you with Jody, and so we feel blessed, don't we? God has heard our prayer, hasn't he? And so today, the realization of that, and I want you to know that this congregation is 100% behind you and your work. Is that true, church? Yes. 50 of us think so. <laughs> Isn't that right, church? Yes. yes. We're excited about what they bring to this congregation and what the Lord has in store for us. I'm just as excited about that as I can be. And I hope that you are too. And the more we get to know them and the more we love on them and they love on us, the better this congregation is going to be for it. I've told a lot of people since I've been here that the Boonville Church of Christ is the best kept secret in the brotherhood. But we're ready to let that secret out, aren't we? Because from right here, Doug, we are expecting to evangelize the whole world. We want to see everybody saved. So we have some things in place now and all of us working together, all of us, right? All of us working together are going to accomplish great things because God's with us. And look what he's done already. 
he sent Doug. I want to pray with you as we begin here today, because I know it's, it's another one of those days that, you know, just, I don't know, it isn't as exciting as if we had said, this is going to be Mission Sunday, and all of our contributions going to missions. Oh, yes. And we think about how the gospel is spread to so many places. But today, we're talking about capital improvements. Yes. I don't know. But I want to share with you today how all of us working together depend on that very thing. And I hope that today is not, not just because the Smiths are here, but because we're focusing ourselves together again as one body on something that's important. That we'll understand the importance of the oneness of sharing together, okay? Before we start, let's pray that God will bless us in that study. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege, the great blessing it is to be assembled here today and to participate in this time of worship. We pray, Father, that as we've been singing and praying, as we anticipate a time of memorial in the Lord's Supper and of our giving, and now as we study a portion of your word and meditate upon it as one mind, we pray all these things are acceptable to you. And Father, we're thankful today also that Doug and Jody are with us. And we're praying, Father, that you'll bless them as they settle in their new location. I know it'll be a difficult transition. It must be, but we're just thrilled that they're here and for the potential that resides in their work. We just pray, Lord, that as you've sent them to us, you've made that possible, that they'll be used in extraordinary ways here. We just thank you for them and their presence today. And Lord, not just them, Use all of us in our particular ways, whether noticed or unnoticed, to work together as a body here in Boonville that we can impact our community here. But, you know, our goal is to reach the whole world. And we know that with you, we can do all things. So we're just praying these are steps in that direction. And help us all to take ownership of that. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing it is to be a part of a body like this and help each of us to feel important in the contribution that we make to the work here. Help me today, Lord, that I can communicate the things that I've prepared that have been on my heart. Help me to speak them with truth, clarity, and passion, and be with our hearers that they can receive it, even if I'm failing, that they can make good use of your word today, and that will be alive in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm pretty convinced, especially from the reading of this text, that the oneness that was experienced there in the first century church, boy, it contributed to a sense of selflessness, of really everybody joining together with a purpose in mind. And then God, just like he is working with us, being able to use all the talents that are blended together in order to do some extraordinary things. 
I also see in the first century, especially what you see, just kind of a capsule of the beauty of relationships that's found in this text, that what was happening was a kind of a knitting together of the lives of people, not just assembling on like a day similar to today, first day of the week, to worship, but also interacting with their lives and understanding the needs that existed. You know, being so close with one another that you know where the hurts are and where the things are lacking so that resources can be pooled, needs can be met. I also get the idea that, very much different from the culture that we're in today, that there was a sense of not entitlement, not of reward, but a sense of service. Of course, that can be drawn from the very statement that Jesus is recorded as having made in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I believe that is true, but it's true because you and I enjoy an extraordinary relationship. We would rather see the other one blessed and lifted up. We prefer them above ourselves so that as we are encouraging one another, we're just lifting one another. And as I've described it before, we're just, we're pushing one another all the way up to heaven. Today, I want us to tap some of that thinking, especially as we think about sharing in our oneness. Now, I will say that we share in the oneness of fellowship. Now, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Oh, sharing in the oneness of fellowship. I see it there, but I just want to begin with this question. Do I see it here? Do we have that? Sharing in oneness, I mean. I think about Paul as he expressed it in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I'm concerned about you, and you're concerned about me. Our welfare together as a body is a number one concern. So when I see you lacking, or I see hurt that exists, I want to do the best that I can to supply what's lacking. And you for me, we consider one another as number one in the relationship. I'm lifting you up above me. That's genuine biblical fellowship. Not just seeing ourselves as equals, but I'm seeing you ahead of myself. Now, it's that mentality that's been expressed by godly people throughout the ages. That's exactly what was happening as finally the Israelites had gotten their minds together 
had centered them on God and had trusted God, as now, after 40 years of wilderness wandering, they are entering into the promised land. And they're facing what will become the greatest obstacle in their path, the city of Jericho. It is surrounded by fortified walls. How in the world are we ever going to defeat that? Well, I suppose that if they had imagined they were going to do it with swords and arrows, no, not so much. It was designed to withstand that. Would Joshua, as the leader of the armies of God, would he come up with a great plan in order to assault that city? You know, conventional means were not going to be effective. But God had a plan, a big plan. A plan beyond the, the finite reasoning of men. Who would ever have imagined what God would propose? That they're going to encircle the city once for six days every day. And then on the seventh day, seven times roundabout, they're going to shout, blow trumpets, and the wall will fall down. Come on, seriously? But in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, here is the oneness of sharing. Here is fellowship. We're all in this together. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. You see, they were all together in this. We trust that God is going to give the desired outcome. And that's exactly what they got. They went right into the city. But when I look at the New Testament church, you know, we, we talk about its triumphal beginning on the day of Pentecost. And all those 3,000 souls that were saved, the Lord added to the church. But there was a lot of persecution going on. It began in a difficult time. All kinds of setbacks, I suppose, especially pressure from the Jews. But little by little, influence is made and souls are being saved. About the time 5,000 souls have been added, there is the arrest in this chapter, Acts chapter 4, of Peter and John. And they are just belittled. They're questioned by the Sanhedrin. They're threatened. But did that stop the church who is one now? with a mental focus that is the same, fellowship and sharing. No, that didn't stop it. It continued to grow. And even when there is martyrdom, and I mean death, directly as a result of faithfulness to the Lord. In Acts chapter 7, you have Stephen who is martyred for the faith, who actually even cries to the Lord for their forgiveness. They don't even know what they're doing. What, what in the world? And then in chapter 12, it's James who is martyred. Did that stop the assault of the Lord on a sinful world? The answer is no. God had emboldened his disciples to go forth as one mind and one heart in order to conquer the world, to have the gospel preached to every nation. It is a big statement in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul speaking that they had carried that gospel to every creature on earth. I love it. Within one generation, the gospel had had its effect. But was it easy? No. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 22, Paul just kind of fed up with his own brethren and the questions they might pose about his own sincerity. 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I'm more. And labor's more abundant and stripes above measure and prison more frequently and deaths often. From the Jews I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times I was uh, beaten with rods. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirsting and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. And by the way, my concerns about the infirmity are not going to stand in the way of my trusting in the Lord for His deliverance. No, sir. But what was his concern? My deep concern is not about all I'm going through or the times that by night my life has been threatened or yes, well, not unto death. But my deep concern is for them. How are they doing? That's what motivates me to keep going. But what if you don't have that? You know, what if, like in those circumstances, you don't have that sharing of oneness and fellowship? What happens then? Well, kind of in the same context. For instance, when Israel goes and they knock down the wall of Jerusalem by God's power and their faithfulness to His command, oh, it's a triumph! Except, unbeknownst to everybody else, here goes Achan. And he takes for himself a Babylonian garment and some silver and some gold, and he hides it in his tent. Now as they go against the city of Ai, a much smaller city, one less fortified. In fact, Joshua's like, let's don't even send a large contingent. We've got this. God is with us. But God was not with them, simply because of the sin of one man. One man stood in the way of God's blessing them with a great success in AI. A success that ultimately would come, but it would come as a result of the death of Achan for his sin. I mean, we've all got to be a part of this. And we've got to have a mind of faithfulness toward a good and positive end to God's glory. Same kind of thing happened as regards our text here. You know, there's all this one-mindedness and this, this coming together. And later we'll even see the example of Barnabas who sells property and he lays that money at the apostles' feet. But in chapter 5, you've got Ananias and Sapphira who also had property and they sold it for so much, but they didn't give it all. They lied about what they were giving but not only had they lied to men, they had lied to God. And the same result is predictable. They both died as a result of their unfaithfulness. You know what we got to have? We have got to have some sincerity. We've really got to, in terms of our sharing and our fellowship, our oneness, it's got to be motivated and driven by the sincere love that we have for each other. Okay? In John chapter 13, verse 35, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. But it was a certain kind of love, according to verse 34, the kind of love that Jesus was expressing. And you know that love. That love gave it all. So, you and I, we, we need to share in this oneness of fellowship. We also need to share in the oneness of what I'm going to call resolve. And we're going to go to the latter part of this section, start at verse 34. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, there's a beautiful picture of a group of people who are looking amongst themselves. Some have great possessions, others have nothing. We get the idea that probably there's still Christians who had obeyed the gospel. They're stranded in Jerusalem. They want to sit at the apostles' feet. They want to hear the truth of the gospel. They want to have it so embedded in them that when they go back home, they can easily share it with others. Just an evangelistic mindset. But oh, by the way, you know, we're displaced here, so we need some help. Can you help us? Oh, why, sure we can. I mean, we love you like Jesus loves us, so... You have needs. We're going to do what we can to help. Now, the reason I say that it's a matter of resolve is because you've really got your, have your mind set in the right place for this to happen. I would say you're going to be resolved for the advancement of the kingdom. I mean, that's number one, right? In Proverbs 3, verse 27, the text there says that, you know, if, if you have it, then you need to share it with those who need it. I love that. Or, as we've studied in our stewardship class, Jesus is looking for that out of us. Matthew chapter 25, there's a whole section that looks at both sides of the issue, but really, it's succinctly stated in verses 35 and 36. And it's simple. Jesus says, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, you came to me. Those who did those things, those who are motivated out of love, not a sense of duty, but love. I see a need that exists. I want to take care of that. They were not taking a survey or keeping track or checking off a list and saying, oh, I fed somebody today. Oh, this week I fed them and I gave them something to drink. Oh, remember, I went to the prison and I went to the hospital. They don't keep track like that. In fact, those who are glorified by the Lord, they were, they were like stunned. Well, Lord, when do we do this stuff? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. You know, as you are going about doing these good things for the kingdom of God, I'm being glorified by that. You didn't even realize. So if I could just have a mind and a heart that puts others first, if I had a sense in this body of oneness and fellowship and sharing, then I would be resolved and I would see the advancement of the kingdom. And then I would add to that something that we see in this text. You see that the members didn't just take their possessions and start handing stuff out. There was a need identified by the leadership. 
in this case, the apostles. And so they laid those monies at the feet of the apostles, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Who better to know the needs that existed than the leaders of that church? Well, it seems to me that would be true for us, too. Like, I, I could have a sense of giving and just, you know, be distributing. Maybe I don't know where the greatest need is. Well, we have shepherds among us. We have men who've been vested with responsibility, but people we have confidence in. We have watched their life. We've identified their fulfillment of biblical qualifications. And we say, these guys are the spiritual leaders among us. And then we're trusting them for guidance in the use of our funds. It would seem to me that just as was the case here in our text, same would be true with us. But, you know, Hebrews 13 and verse 17 bears a glance because not only are we going to respect them for the work that they do, but we're going to serve them so that they do it with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, I want to, you know, I want to have the, the best attitude toward those who lead. I want to have every confidence in their leadership, so much so that not only do I say, well, yeah, I'll let them determine, you know, whether we're going to sing so many songs or uh, what the temperature in the building is going to be or help us to know what we're going to do about class arrangements. More than that, how do we spend the money that's collected? I have every confidence that they know better than any one of us exactly where those funds ought to go. So I'm going to be like Barnabas, aren't you? I'm just going to give with the assurance and the knowledge that I trust these people. And I'm going to let them serve with joy. And then as they serve with joy, you know where that comes. That comes right on down to all of us. And we can feel good in the knowledge that the most important things are being taken care of. And then when I have that heart and that mind, that desire to work with the leaders that we have, then I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to resolve that I'm going to do the very best that I can in terms of my giving and my support of the works that are going on in this church. I'm going to be like Barnabas, for instance. Barnabas, well... That's his nickname. His name's Joseph. He's given the nickname Barnabas because he's the son of encouragement. I mean, he's that guy that you always think of in the congregations, always patting somebody on the back, always get behind the works, always ready to serve. You know, Lord, here am I, send me, the Isaiah type. Well, there's Barnabas. He is a Levite. Now, you know, I'm not sure what the circumstances in the first century were if this still applies, but I'm just thinking the history of the Jews that if you had property generally as a Jew, you had property because it was handed down to you generation after generation. I mean, you could say my great, 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 great grandfather worked this land and you would be exactly right because it never left the possession of your family. So if I sold that property and I gave the money, eventually that money, that land is going to come right back to me. So yeah, it's a sacrifice in the moment, but it's not a permanent sacrifice. But Barnabas, Joseph, he's a Levite. The Levites received land when it was given to them or when they bought a piece of property themselves. And if they sold it, 
It's just gone. You want more property, you'll have to go buy some more. Save your money, buy some more. Barnabas is a great example because he wasn't thinking and, you know, kind of, kind of watching the edges here. If I sell it, am I going to be out? How much? What? He's not figuring. He's like, you know what? Here's a need that exists. I've got land. I'm, maybe I'm not even using it. It's valuable to me. I know if I sell it, I'll never give it back. But there is something here that is more important than just my concerns. There are brethren who are in need. And I'm going to sell this land. I know I'm not ever going to get it back. Peace. So what? God blessed me with this. He'll bless me again. That's the idea. And he took that and he laid it at the apostles' feet. He didn't say, now, you know, I'm making great sacrifice here. So let me tell you what I expect you to do with this money. No. He's like us. He's trusting the leadership. He just wants to serve God. Here's an opportunity for me to feed, for me to water, for me to provide shelter. Here's an opportunity for me to clothe somebody, to go and visit the sick or those who are in prison. I just want to help. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do so. So he just handed it right over. Same attitude that the Macedonian brethren had. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, at verse 3, Paul says, I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Listen to that. Not just their ability, beyond it. They're thinking huge, thinking beyond what I even have. But I'm going to give it willingly. I'm glad to do it. And the reason that they did it is, I'm hoping, the same reason we would do it. That's in verse 5. The text says that they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You see, when you, when you give yourself first to the Lord, then all the other stuff just falls into place. Now, I know, I know, capital improvement projects. What are capital improvement projects, Ken? Well, we listed some of them last week. For instance, there's some glass broken out here in the front of the building. You can't reach with a step ladder. You can't reach if you, if you duct taped. I'm sure some of you would try it. If you duct taped several uh, ladders together. No, don't do it. It's too dangerous. Besides, it won't even work. You can't reach it. You've got to have special equipment to get that. But until that's taken care of, water's going to get in behind that glass and it's going to deteriorate that wall right out there on the front. We talked about fixing the porch over here. Some of, that, some of that brick has moved away. It's not a safety issue, but it is an issue for the air conditioners over there because if that wall falls down, all those air conditioners are going to get beat up. And besides that, the thing's falling down. Shouldn't we fix it? And then I look at the lighting here. Can you see me? I can see you a little bit. Boy, it'd be great if we had better lighting in here so we could see and remove the hazard, ooh, <laughs> or lighting out in the parking lot. You know, it gets dark out there at night. Oh, what about over there in the annex? Wouldn't it be great if we had some kind of AV equipment over there to support our teaching program? Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could get rid of some of these 
20-some-year-old vans for newer vans to travel hither and yon. On and on and on we could go. I hear it. Stop. I, I can hear it. It's so loud in the brain that I can hear it way up here. Ken, stop. Are you telling me we should spend money on glass that's on the front of the building? We can't even reach or stuff out there on the porch instead of having a Sunday where we just take all that money and send it to mission work. In fact, Ken, why don't we just every Sunday take all the contribution and send it out to mission work? Hey, brother, sister, I feel you. Yeah. And that would last for a while until you and I can't meet any longer because the wall's falling down, it's deteriorated because of the water getting into it. Or eventually, we have no air conditioners because they're smashed. Or we've got two up here. Sorry, balcony people. We've got two up here that need repair. Boy, it'd be great if we got those fixed. But no, we've got to send money to mission work so we can't do that. And on and on until this building becomes completely dilapidated. And we have to slam shut the doors. And we ask ourselves, what happened? We can't do mission work anymore because we can't even meet together. How about we do this? How, how about... And isn't it great to have leaders who have foresight, who say, you know what, this building's been around all these many years because the people who resided here, and by the way, this is our collective house, we're residing here. As they resided here, they said there were maintenance items that needed to be fixed, and they fixed them. And when they did, they prolonged the use of the building. If we could do some of these capital improvements, we would prolong the use of the building. We would wear this building out and continue. But then, having gotten those things behind us, we would be able to promote more and more through the years in terms of our mission work. Oh man, I love to spend money on missions. But I'm also concerned about what happens here. And so as stewards of this house, this physical house, we have delegated the responsibility to our elders. And our elders say, you know what? We need to spend some money on some things here so that we can continue to further the work that we've already committed ourselves to around the globe. No doubt about it, no secret here. We want to save the loss, yes? We want to save the loss not just here in Boonville, but all over the world, yes? Boy, wouldn't it be great if we had better streaming capabilities? Oh no, I see the comments. Oh no, I couldn't hear the sound. Oh no, it blipped out. Whatever. Boy, if we spent a little money to get that right, we could reach the corners of the world. Yay! Let's see to it that you and I, in oneness, in sharing in that oneness, resolve ourselves to do these things. And today is the day that we're going to put some legs on that idea. We're going to contribute to it. You're going to throw it in the collection plate. But the final thing I want to consider with you is the one that's kind of there at the beginning at verse 33. I want us to share in the oneness of salvation. I mean, that's really at the root of everything that we're talking about today. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. This text is not just about them selling possessions, getting money and putting at the apostles' feet. 
Why were they even with the apostles? Why were they even charged up to help their brothers and sisters? It's because they were already convinced of something. There was something that was motivating their service. There was something motivating their love. There was something motivated their care for one another. Something motivated the desire to share what they had. Oh, what was it that just got under all of that and drove it? It was their recognition of the sacrifice of Jesus. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. With great power. That same word that's translated power there is translated power over in Romans 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The gospel is God's power to save. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The apostles are talking about the gospel and the gospel power is inspiring those Christians to get out there and do something. Not just assemble on the first day of the week. There are things to do here. You know, we need money to fuel the needs. Let's satisfy the brethren who are in want. Let's take care of ourselves. Let's be one. Let's be in fellowship. Let's resolve ourselves. Oh, let's... Let's reflect how important our salvation is to us because, okay, so they're thinking about Jesus, right? Apostles talking about Jesus, resurrection. Well, what had Jesus done? Let me tell you what Jesus gave. When Jesus saw the need that existed, Jesus gave it all. So it's not surprising that when a need existed in the early church, the church was willing, if necessary, to give it all. This is not communism. You know, this is not an equalization of wealth. This is a heartfelt desire motivated by sincere love of the brethren to see that needs are met. So Jesus loved me that much. Yea, he did. And then he becomes an example or a pattern for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and following. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Look at that. Jesus died to save you. And so we just, we run to Jesus, he says, but it wasn't always like that. You were sheep gone astray. Now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus gave everything so that you could be saved. And that church in the first century gave it all in response to that. Well, so here we are. Jesus died for you too. Jesus gave it all for you. So what's your response? Going to give some of it? Are we going to give all of it? A predisposition to, if necessary. Jesus is pretty tough with regard to his followers, you know. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and following. If anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For everyone who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will save it. There it is. Our salvation, our love of what Jesus did, translates into our love for those who suffer and are in need. Hey, oneness in that first century setting, it resulted in a selfless sharing in all things. And it seems to me that that will be true of us as well. Today, if you're a child of God, you have that heart about you, that spirit of oneness, that resolve, that desire to see to the good. There are opportunities that abound today, and I hope you'll take advantage of that. Maybe you're not a child of God today. Today is an opportunity like no other. It may be the last opportunity, but it is that opportunity nonetheless. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you're ready now to acknowledge that in confession. You're turning away from your sins in repentance. And now having demonstrated this faithfulness through all these things, you're ready to act on it in obedience to the gospel. Today, you can be buried in that water right over there. Buried in water, have your sins washed away. You'll rise up out of that water a new creature. The Lord will add you to the church. You'll become a part of this oneness of fellowship. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come up if you need to while we stand together and sing. Bring
Supper. The ushers have your uh, Lord's Supper emblems. If you need those at this time, if you would, please raise your hand and they'll bring those to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Lord's Supper is discussed here and gives us an example. In verse 24, it discusses the bread. Take, eat, this is my body. In verse 25, it says, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. My emphasis this morning will be in verse 26. My Bible says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. In one of God's promises, found in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's give thanks for the bread. Our most gracious and loving Father, we're so thankful for all the many blessings of life. We praise you for loving us enough to give your only begotten Son to die upon the cross. Fathers, we partake of this bread, which is your Son's body. We pray that we'll do so in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now let's bow for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, we continue in prayer in remembrance of your Son, Lord Jesus. So thankful for all the spiritual blessings through him. Father, help us center our minds on the time of the cross and all the pain and agony, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. Father, and we just pray once again that we'll examine ourselves and partake of this cup in a manner that's pleasing to thee. Christ's name we pray. Amen. As our, it's already been mentioned a couple of times about uh, today being the field Sunday and about our contribution going towards capital improvements. Um, Ken's already mentioned about all the needs, and if you were here last week, Brother Jim went over those too. So let us bow as we uh, thankful for all that we have.
Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we just approach Thee, Father, with humble hearts, thanking Thee for all that You continue to bestow upon us. We pray, Father, that we'll always be the stewards that You would have us to be and manage these things in a manner that's pleasing to Thee. Once again, Father, we're so thankful for all the blessings of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Just for a moment before Brother Todd comes and uh, gives some announcements and closes us in prayer, uh, I hope you'll continue, as you have done, to remember in prayer our education program. Um, we have been so very blessed. You know, COVID and uh, those concerns and restrictions kind of threw us for a curve. And uh, you may not be aware of this, but there were many Sunday afternoons and Wednesday afternoons after we began meeting again that I walked down that hall and there were teachers standing at their doors and then eventually came on in here because there was no there were no students uh, that has changed it's begun to change it continues to change classes are growing and there is a renewed interest in uh, individuals who are wanting to be teachers uh, there's even a renewed interest in some of you don't even know it yet but I'll talk to you about that later uh, but um, I just want to remind you that our new academic quarter, November through January, starts with uh, toddlers through teens tonight. And then with the adults on Wednesday night, Brother Jonathan Farr will be uh, in the auditorium this coming Wednesday, November the 3rd, with Modern Moral Issues for this quarter. And Brother Ken will be in the annex with the Gospel of John is that study. And then next Sunday, November the 7th, Brother Jim Estes and Brandon Elliott as his uh, backup in the auditorium here with a, a study of the book of Joshua. And then in the annex, uh, a study of systematic theology, Brother Aaron Foster with Drew Bruce, Drew Bruce backing him up. So just wanted to make you aware of that and uh, continue to pray for our education program. Good morning once again. We had uh, 282 in attendance this morning, and if you are one of those that are visiting with us, we are glad that you chose to be here with us, and we invite you to come back at any opportunity you can. I have a card of thanks this morning. It says, Weld and I would like to thank everyone for the calls, prayers, and expressions of sympathy during the death of my mother. It's such a blessing to have such a wonderful church family. Thanks to you all, John and Wilda Gardner. As always, be mindful of the, the list in your bulletin, those that are sick, those that have upcoming surgeries, and, and keep them in your prayers. And for the benefit of those that still may be watching at home, I'm going to go over some of these announcements that are in the bulletin. Uh, everyone is invited to an adoption celebration in honor of Ella and Rory Claire Brumley. It's the daughters of Kevin and Laura. That's Sunday today from 3 to 4.30 in the Annex. Also, lads to leaders, song leading and songs of praise will meet in the TAC following morning service. Devotional at Landmark Nursing Home and Rehab is today at 4 o'clock. If you're willing to help with this ministry, please see Jim Estes. This week's food pantry item is canned yams. Lads to leaders gifts will begin meeting November the 3rd at 545. In classroom 106, this is for all girls, 6th through 12th grades, and will be led by Carrie Parson. 
Now pay close attention to this next announcement. Had my family, Buster's family, paid attention this last week, we wouldn't have brought those six or seven dishes this morning. So if you are in need of lunch today, if you'll meet us out in the parking lot, we'll ration it out on a first come first serve basis. Uh, we did get a practice run in prepared for next Sunday, but visitation is next Sunday morning. I mean, next Sunday after services. So please feel free to be a part of that. That's all the announcements we have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we're so thankful for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you in song and praise. Father, we're so thankful for your number here at Bloomville and the family atmosphere that we have and the times we have to fellowship with one another. Help us all to do our parts to encourage each one and it's so thankful to be around those who have the same beliefs, have the same morals and values and have the same goal in mind and that's an eternal home in heaven with thee one day. Father, we ask you to continue to be with the elders. They continue to lead us in a way that is pleasing unto thee. Go with us throughout the rest of this week. Father, and be with those of our number that are sick and have upcoming surgeries and help them to put their trust in you. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross. That we might have forgiveness for our sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen.